is Emily with Beyond the Rock podcast, and I am here with my co-host. Jeremy Arns, and today our guest is Stephanie Murr. How are you doing today, Stephanie? I'm doing pretty good. I just ate a huge salad. That's good. I need to get back, back to eating better. I, I kind of fell into this rut of eating pizza twice a day. You, you too? <laughs> oh, gosh. But... I was, yeah. <laughs> it was a lot. Before that, I was eating salad, like salad with just the chicken breast on it for a long time. Sounds boring. You got to spice it up a bit. Yeah, and I think I fell into some emotional eating for a little while. Who hasn't, though, honestly? I mean, it's a rough time right now, right? Emotionally, at least. Yeah. Well, yeah, speaking of emotional eating, just since I, too, have been a large pizza consumer lately, Stephanie, do you think that your diet has improved or not improved since the pandemic? Just out of curiosity. I think it has kind of stayed the same. So I have been gluten-free for uh, just over 10 years now. So that already limits a lot of the things that I can eat. Um, But with staying home, there has been a lot of me buying, you know, like my own pizza crusts and making my own pizza. But I always it's always really important to me to try to eat well because obviously climbing is the most important thing in my life. And, um, there's just this really important balance for me to like eat food that tastes really good. And that's good for me, but also like doesn't affect my climbing too much, but there are times where, you know, I'll see some cupcakes and I'll end up eating several of them at a time. But I mean, that's usually fine. Like I've been really active during this time. So, um, yeah, it's been pretty okay (laughs) for the most part. So besides doing live Instagram chats with me, what have you been doing during quarantine? Um, I've been training a lot. Um, I have a really great hangboard setup. Um, it faces my toilet. It's pretty cool. Um, but while I'm hanging, if I actually just turn my head to the right, I can see the TV in my bedroom. So I've been hangboarding um, while watching like a lot of anime. I'm rewatching a lot of my favorite animes right now, um, trying to get into some, to some new stuff. I've also been listening to a lot of audiobooks. So I just finished the Alone on the Wall book by Alex Honnold and um, The Push by Tommy Caldwell, which are both really good. And then some true crime novels. Um, I've been getting out and walking as much as possible just because I can't stay in like these four walls for too long. And I have a pretty good space, um, around this area where I can walk and just do laps and there's some nice parks. So it's been pretty all right. (laughs) Very cool. And I saw that you, um, are you doing home wall setting now? What was that about? Oh yeah. So one of my homies who climbs at the gym I work at, Climb Tacoma, he built a little home wall and it's pretty steep. Um, I think it's 60 degrees of overhang. And um, th- that's not the, the angle I would choose for a home wall, to be honest. But I was like, hey, whatever. Uh, and he got a huge pack of holds from Atomic. And he was like, hey, like, come set my wall and I'll give you a hundred bucks and some cider. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I went over there uh, two days ago and I just did a a little four to five hour setting session. And I think I set like seven routes. Very cool. And you got to climb. I did get to climb. Oh man, there's some cool stuff there. (laughs) Um, It felt really good to exercise that route setting muscle 
because as a route setter, I spend a lot of time like thinking about routes, like, oh, like I could force this move with these holds on this angle and like stuff like that. So I got to actually do that and not just think about it and fantasize about it. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm on like step 75 of 200 to be getting to the point of being able to build my home wall, but I'm still like paranoid about setting it. Uh, I, may, I may disagree. I think you may just be a bit of a perfectionist, my friend. Well, um, I, yeah, I, I still have a lot more garage cleaning to do, I guess is my point. Um, there's a lot of junk in my garage. So my recommendation is if don't, expand to to fill your entire living space and you know constantly um get rid of stuff <laughs> we fell into the um the trap of just yeah just put it in the garage we'll deal with it later yeah that could be a dangerous trap uh, marie kondo's book the uh, magical art of tidying up I, I i can't watch the the netflix special because everyone wants to watch it um but the book is actually a really nice easy read and it makes you realize how much we hold on to the things uh that don't play a good role in our life we literally so i have a, a jeep renegade so it's a small like crossover suv we literally filled up the entire back of it with the seats folded down and just went to goodwill today so and it's still we still have a lot more stuff to go your goodwill is open i was just gonna ask that yep the drive-through drop-off is yeah and actually you can go in with a mask. They were turning away people who didn't have masks on. But what about if they didn't have a mask when they put all that together? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, and Stephanie, uh, just for our listeners, do you mind sharing where you are geographically and what it is that you do on this beautiful planet? Yeah. So um, if you ever fly into Seattle, into the Seattle Tacoma airport, I just live about probably eight minutes away. Um, next to a really big mall and shopping center. So pretty much Seattle. Um, but when I work, I work in down in Tacoma, which is just about a 30 minute drive south on the freeway. And I work at a bouldering gym called Climb Tacoma. I'm their head team coach for the competitive uh, team kiddos who climb in uh, bouldering and rope competitions. And I'm one of their prominent route setters. And I just pretty much do anything else around the gym that needs to be done. So I spend, well, when we're not quarantined, I'd spend 40 hours a week there and um, it just feels like home. And it's really hard to be away from that right now. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Um, as I mentioned earlier, before we got on the podcast, your Instagram is beautiful sister. I mean, your pictures are breathtaking. And it, I wanted to ask, um, so the beginning, I, I looked all the way about five years ago, and I saw that a lot of your pictures were landscapes and um, maybe focused on your partner, boyfriend at that time, um, kind of almost seemed like a, yeah, like you were sharing your story as a couple, look at these beautiful landscapes, and then it evolved into climbing. Uh, did you start in the outdoor scene first because you were in such a beautiful area and then discover climbing? Or how did climbing find you? Oh my gosh, this is my favorite story to tell. So those pictures that you saw of all of those landscapes. So I was really into photography. I've always been into photography since I was like a teenager. I'm 27 now. And um, it was just always really important to me that if I'm gonna take a photo, it needs to be like beautiful, you know? And I love sharing photos. 
So, um, and I live in Washington and I'm sure anyone that follows any kind of Pacific Northwest or hiking Instagram, you're seeing beautiful pictures of Washington and just the Pacific Northwest in general. It's, it's just such a high quality region to be in. Um, so I loved sharing that. Um, I was never one for exercise, but I liked hiking just because, um, while the hike was hard and really upsetting pretty much the whole time you were re rewarded with <laughs> rewarded with a really beautiful view at the end of the hike so that's the really the only thing that kind of um, gave me the motivation to hike um, and plus i just knew i needed exercise because i wasn't active other than that um, and then when i went to college um, in this tiny town in the middle of the state i saw that there was a rock climbing wall in our rec center and I was like, that's cool, but you know, I'm too much of a pansy to go there by myself and try it. Um, but I always was interested. Uh, I got a job in the cafeteria, which is in the same building as the rec center. And that's when I met this guy named Julian. And we just became really good friends. We were working together. Um, he was flipping pasta and I was ringing people up and we would just hang out and talk. And then uh, one day I was like, hey, like you should, take me climbing because uh, he was talking about how he climbs all the time. It's super fun. And I was like, cool. So now I have an in. Um, yeah. So take me climbing. And um, that was on March 6th, 2014. And ever since that day, um, I have not really focused or cared about anything other than climbing. Like that was day one. Um, not too long after that, uh, well, I didn't really realize, but I was kind of falling in love with him uh, during that whole time. And we would go climbing together and stuff. Um, and now, fast forward to today, um, we're, we've been married since August. Congratulations. Yeah, so Julian and climbing came into my life like kind of at the same time. And um, climbing is a really important aspect of our relationship. Um, we love going out together and climbing. Um, we love talking about climbing. I, when, um, when the gym was open, I would set routes for him and I would, I would try to like make something really difficult for him, but he climbs like V10 working on V11, V12 outside. So, um, it's really, it's quite a chore for my setting because I'm trying really hard to like put something together that's gonna like stump him, but he'll usually end up getting it on his first or second try anyway. And I'm just like, okay, I just need to do better. So we're kind of this climbing power couple and it's, it's just really enjoyable. Hell yeah. How fortunate are you to find the love of your life twice in the same moment? Yeah, it was, it was kind of, it was, it, I can only describe like it was from God. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to describe it. Right on sister. Awesome. Let's go back to, Setting. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of questions about setting too, but Jay, I had, you can I, had, I have a new appreciation appreciation for gyms. I just had to buy some holds and I got like fifty holds and it was two hundred and eighty five dollars, which is actually a good deal on holds, but for, for brand new, yeah. That is a good deal. Still expensive. Like, yeah, that's crazy. And we were when we were uh when seventy hour were talking about it in the live, like there's some route some routes that are set on the wall that have like, you know, five, six hundred dollars worth of holds in them. Crazy. Are you talking about roped routes? Or uh, roped or, or uh, bouldering even like there's some of those like scoop, like the fiberglass scoops that are, you know, a hundred dollars a piece or $150 a piece. So 
So Stephanie, can I ask, because I'm absolutely not a, a route setter. I've tried. We recently got a, a wall from Brewer uh, Fitness. They, they have these walls that are easy to put together. How, how do you get inspiration to set routes? Is it the style that you climb or is it the shape of the wall that you're setting? Like, how does it come to you? Well, coming from a uh, like commercial route setter for a gym, um, my first question that I ask is, um, what, what do I need to set right now? So if I have a blank wall in front of me, usually what we end up doing is we end up setting the hardest routes that will be on that wall first. And then we fill in um, with easier routes as we go. And then we put up like the V1, V0s completely last because they're not super inspiring to set. Usually a V0 is like a jug ladder. Um, so we kind of just pepper those in wherever there's space. But for those more complicated and tougher routes, um, I really just want to have all of my options available to me. So usually I'll just be like, all right, my first wall, first route of the day, um, I'm going to try to set like a V8. So um, depending on the angle of the wall, if the angle of the wall is um, overhanging, um, I can get some holds that are like fairly positive and then some that are fairly bad. If the wall is straight up and down, I'm probably going to be grabbing some really trash holds, like a lot of slopers and crimps. Um, if I'm on a wall that is slab, so tilted forward, um, I'm probably going to grab the tiniest, like, barely anything there holds so the the more overhanging the wall is the better the holds kind of have to be um and the less steep the wall is um just the more trash like like how can someone even hold on to that kind of holds that they have to be um and usually um whatever holds are available to me those are the ones that are going to inspire certain movement so the way that we set, we set one wall every week and there's nine walls in the gym. And what we'll do is we'll take everything off the wall and we'll put it in the dirty pile. And um, the holds that were in the dirty pile and that were just cleaned from last week's set will be available. So typically holds end up migrating around the gym in a clockwise rotation um, as, the, as the walls get set. So if there's some super sick, huge like really bad slopey holds from the last set that are just clean and and new and ready to go like I usually gravitate towards the coolest looking holds and then after that I'll be like okay um, I got to make this route super hard so I'll probably make movement that is really powerful and kind of reachy um, or if it's super tiny crimps I'll probably make them like really delicate maybe a couple big reaches but not too big um, it just kind of depends on the wall and the hold availability and whatnot. All right. Wow. So it's my, my, it's my mission in life to end the V zero jug hall in the gym. Do you, do you mean end it for yourself? Like get, no, end it as a, a thing. There's no V zero in, in, in the wild. That is a jug hall that I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, there, okay. I take that back. There are some V zeros that are jug halls, but they're also like 20 feet tall. So, <laughs> Yeah. And I will never climb them. So, but anyway, you know, I mean, I get what it is. And Stephanie and I have talked, I've talked about this before where, you know, I had this thing where it's like, why don't you use more crimps and V zeros? And I brought it up to one route setter and then 
talking to them later on, they apparently set that as a rule for their their gym is that they have to use more mix of holds and you know crimps and stuff like that. Because there are people like me who've been climbing forever who just you know like for me it's just my weight that holds me back, and I know that, and I'm working on that. But you know I have the abilities. I can crimp. I have strong hands, but then you just like you get these like we were talking about earlier, Emily, the jug calluses, and then you you pull flappers and all that crap. So sometimes but anyway so um gotta end that jug haul but then it gets it gets in the whole thing like okay well, what is a v0 in the gym a lot of people say it's a five five whereas outside a, a v0 is a five nine five ten i wouldn't say five nine or five ten for v0 like i've i've pulled on and stepped on some really small holds in five nines and i don't know if that's just like washington five nines but i mean we would you love to come, have you. you. I want. I would love. Yeah. Take you. Take you to McKinney Falls, and we can talk oh, about what. Yeah. <laughs> Show me around. That'd be so great. Well, please, please put us on your list um, for sure. But what you know, one of my burning questions for you, as is with many, or as are, I don't know if that sentence is correct. Anyways, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, in out in the outdoors. Can you tell us one of your scariest moments, whether it's been on the rope or on a boulder problem? Like when was that moment either that you thought, oh shit, like I might die or like I may go home in a wheelchair. Have you ever had any of those? Oh gosh. Yeah. So a lot of a huge misconception is that if you're connected to a rope, you're safe in climbing, but, um, I haven't really heard of any bouldering deaths. The only deaths or serious injuries I've heard of are people making some mistake while connected to a rope. Um, and luckily, whenever I boulder, um, I usually have a good amount of people spotting me and um, we do our best to ensure that our landing is, is really well protected and padded. And actually, the guy, one of the guys who owns my gym, my boss, Brian, he has spotted me and caught me um, from a few bouldering falls where my head was just a couple inches from a rock. Um, he's a great spotter. I'm never afraid when he's spotting me. But that moment that you're talking about, um, last year, 2019 in June, just a couple days after I turned 27, I was on this video shoot for this uh, company called Lytra. And they're just a lighting company. They're super great. Um, we use their lights for if we ever night climb because they really just light up the whole, the whole boulder. Um, I was on that shoot with my friend Brandon and Ed, and um, we just wanted to get some footage of me climbing um, using those lights for the brand. And um, it wasn't quite dark enough yet, so my husband and I were like, hey, or we, were, we weren't married. Were we married? No, we weren't married. <laughs> um, we, uh, we were just like, yeah, we're just going to do some climbing um, while we wait for the, the sun to go down. So we were climbing, and on my first climb, I was climbing this, like, pretty tough route. It wasn't really all that bad. Some really cool moves. Um, and I got to a spot on the wall where there was this big ledge that you could just easily sit on, stand on, lay down on. Um, I'm sure a lot of people use that ledge for resting, but once I was standing on that ledge, my last clip was about 15 feet below me. So, um, there, and there wasn't anything to clip into that I could reach while standing on that ledge. So if I fell off that ledge, I would be like 
free falling for a while. Um, I was wearing my helmet. Um, I was, I did all the necessary stuff that I should have done. Um, and as I'm standing on that ledge, there's, uh, my next clip is above me and it's out of my reach. And so in order for me to reach that bolt so that I can put my quick draw on it, I had to reach up and grab kind of, I guess this slopey ledge and I had to get a heel hook on it. So my heel at this point is at face level. So I had my heel by my face like this and I'm, my body's kind of sideways. Um, and I felt kind of good, but when I was getting ready to take one hand off the rock to grab my, my quick draw so that I could clip it in and clip my rope, um, my heel blew. And so at that point, um, I'm definitely more than 15 feet above my last clip. At this point, I'm probably like, like 17 to 18, maybe even 20 feet above my last clip. And so I fall that entire distance. Um, so when you take a lead fall, you fall the distance that you are above your clip times two. And um, that ledge that I was standing on, um, I hit my body hit that ledge and I bounced off of it. And I continued to hit stuff um, on the wall on the way down. Um, luckily the only thing I remember is when I realized I was falling, the wall was falling away from me. The only, the next thing that I remember is, um, once I was actually caught by the rope, I remember seeing the wall coming towards my face and, and thinking to myself, I'm going to hit the wall. And so I ended up hitting the wall and while I was wearing my helmet, my face actually hit. Um, and I had bruising right on my eyebrow bone and on my cheekbone because it hit me. Um, in this area right here. And so um, immediately after that, I was lowered to the ground. The first thing I said was like, I'm okay, I'm okay, like I feel fine. Um, but everyone's like, no, you're just in shock, just calm down, it's okay. Um, luckily there were some people um, at the crag who were um, like nurses and stuff, so they checked me out, they said I didn't have a concussion. Um, but my hand, my right hand hurt so bad and it was super bruised and swollen and I thought it was broken. And then also my ankle had a huge gash in it where I got rope burn and a huge bruise on it. It was bleeding. I was cut and scraped up in several places. Um, but I went to the ER and um, everything was just major bruising. Nothing was broken. And I rested a bit for a few days after that. And I actually climbed V6 in the gym like three days later. <laughs> so like I was, yeah, I was definitely fine. But um, I had... I just laid awake at night for like a few weeks afterwards, just replaying that moment of the wall falling away from me and feeling completely weightless and out of control in my head. Um, and it gave me a lot of anxiety and I haven't actually climbed outside on ropes since then. And I was planning on going back and climbing that route that I fell on because um, my friend Mike, he actually added a bolt to that um, really unprotected section of the wall and was like, um, here, like, I want you to try this route again. Like you should, you should definitely be fine on that part and stuff. And then the Washington climbers coalition, uh, one of the guys on the board, he bought me a permanent quick draw that I could add to that, uh, bolt. So that clipping from that ledge, um, for any one of my height would actually just, it would be easy. It would be effortless because the person who bolted that route is like six foot one. So pretty much anyone who isn't a five foot one female standing on that ledge should be able to just reach up and clip it. But I like standing with my arms fully extended, it was just completely out of reach. And it's really lame because that climb is super fun. It's a, I think it's a four, three or four star climb. And um, a lot of 
people, mostly women who are shorter, just don't do it because they don't feel safe. And for a really popular crag and a really good quality route, that just makes me sad that like it couldn't have just been a little bit better protected in that area. So hopefully in the future, um, I want to go back and like face my fear and stuff like that. So. I do have a couple questions about that. Jeremy, do you mind if I pepper her with, with a couple? Go, go ahead. Um, I, I, I have a redemption route also in Mendoza Canyon in Arizona. Um, my partner and I uh, bailed on it due to many other factors. Um, you said that, that you want to, but you don't seem 100% sure. Since it is now more well protected, what do you think is going to push you in either direction? Is it going to be time or is it going to be, you know, maybe getting your first climb outside over with? So that will be your second or third climb. What do you think that factor will be? Um, well, I was planning on coming back to it actually around now that the weather is pretty prime and then COVID kind of, it kind of halted that whole process and like I'm not gonna lie I was a little kind of relieved you know <laughs> like oh cool I don't have to deal with it I do know um and in regards to that anxiety did you do breath work or what kind of things did you do at home it almost seems like you had some PTSD which is completely understandable that was a very traumatic accident what did you find helped you with that anxiety? Well, luckily, um, I'm on a really good anti-anxiety uh, pharmaceutical that I've been taking um, for, I think, about six or seven years now. And before that, my anxiety was just, like, unbearable. I just, I had no coping skills on how to deal with it. But um, I just, I just kind of reminded myself of some facts, like, you know, that that event um it's in the past and um like all i can do is move forward from it and i was really patient with myself just to like kind of mentally process it and heal from it um i also went back to the rope gym in my area and um i did a bunch of top rope and i kind of hung out at the top of the wall for a while just to kind of sit there and just be aware, like, you know, looking at my harness, looking at my gear, looking at the, the wall anchor and just being like, right now I am, I am in a low risk situation right now and just getting comfortable in that. And then, um, I ended up leading one route, um, in their lead area, which is about 45 feet tall and just, just like a 10 a something that's some, that's like in my way below my comfort zone. And, um, I definitely felt a little bit nervous, but um, I reminded myself that, you know, this grade is something that I climb confidently and I just, you know, moved through it really delicately and really strong. And I just kind of, uh, it was just kind of a moment for me where I was like, this isn't going to stop me from, from doing, you know, this style of climbing that I enjoy. But in, since that time has passed, I've actually grown to enjoy bouldering a lot more. And I've actually gotten a lot stronger in bouldering since I've really focused on it. Um, and you know what, which also really sucks about COVID is that around now, um, it would be rope climbing season. So there would be a ton of rope climbing comps that I would be coaching my team kids through. 
Um, and then after those uh, kid comps, there's always adult comps right after. And it's always been something of that I do is I always participate in those comps. So I would coach in the morning with the kiddos and then I would uh, do the adult comp in, in the evening. And I was planning on doing absolutely all of them. And that was going to, I felt like that was really going to get me ready for, you know, redoing that route and just getting more comfortable uh, with rope climbing. But that whole thing, that whole plan, that whole goal was taken away from me with this whole COVID thing. So um, I just have to be more intentional when um, the restrictions let up and I'm definitely going to get back into the rope gym and just do what I need to do. But yeah. Well, so what I'm hearing you say is that with anxiety, it can sometimes be a hodgepodge of things to contribute to somebody battling it. For sure. Um, and that, that's definitely true. Now I have one last question in regards to your previous answer. And then I promise Jeremy, I'll stop hogging her. <laughs> I could talk to you all day, Bethany. Um, so you mentioned that when you were on that ledge that um, many people, five foot one, especially women, probably wouldn't have gone for the move that you went to before that bolt was put in. Now, when you said that, I personally feel that women seem to weigh out risk and reward a little bit more or a lot more than men do. Do you agree with that? And is that why you mentioned it specifically? Yeah. Um, well, when I was down on the ground and I was getting checked out by some of those nurses that were down there, um, uh, one of the ladies told me that she, she said, I, I climb on this wall all the time. I will never touch that route because of that specific spot. Um, and if I would have known that going into that route, like beforehand, um, to be honest, I might have chosen a different route. I had never climbed that route before, um, or I probably would have probably would have down climbed or just fallen on that last uh, draw and just got lowered to the ground. But I was kind of in this mindset of like um, what I like to call big dick energy. And I was just like, just like, man, this is nothing. Like I, I do heel hooks above my head all the time. Like I totally got this, like, this is going to be so sick when I send it. Like I, I didn't think I was going to fall. Like I was super confident and um, maybe like looking back, I'm thinking maybe I was a little bit too confident. Um, and it's, it's hard to say that I don't regret making that decision. Um, I kind of, I kind of do regret making that decision only because, uh, what it cost me, but I also appreciate my like willingness to move forward and try to, you know, defy, I guess, like my own standards or standards of other people. Like, like, I don't know. I just, I, I liked I like taking risks. Um, I thought that that risk wouldn't cost me, but it unfortunately did. So it's just something to learn from for sure. And I know that from now on, when I do rope climbing, I will be calculating my risks a lot more and, and putting a lot more thought into them. Sure. Understandably. So thank you for that. Yeah. I feel that I, I, I consider my climbing career before I broke my ankle and then after I broke my ankle. Like before I knew there was danger, right? But I never injured myself. So, you know, I'd go up to the top of the bouldering wall and take up, you know, a 17 foot fall and wouldn't, wouldn't think anything of it. And then after I broke my ankle, I would just be like, I'm not going to take a five foot fall, let alone a 17 foot fall. Yeah. So sure. my, 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 my assessment of danger 
changed a lot. And I've still been, and I've had a series of injuries since then. And I'm still, I haven't dug myself out of that. But um, do you have any feelings like that? Like maybe things have changed because of that incident or any other incident? I mean, definitely. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that uh, I haven't touched my sport climbing gear since then, and it's been almost a year. Um, but also now, even in bouldering, um, I will get a little nervous at the top of the wall, but it doesn't really affect my um, my decisions and what I do. Um, I don't really show fear all that much, but I make a point to down climb as far to the ground as I can, um, pretty much every boulder that I do. Um, I also really want to protect my knees. I'm so afraid of, of you know, falling wrong or something and, and getting an injury and then that after that happening, me not being able to route set, me not being able to work, me, you know, losing strength and not being able to climb and, you know, missing a whole outdoor season or a competition season, which is, you know, what's already happening now. But yeah, I definitely am a lot more careful. And now I guess protecting my body is such a high priority for me now. Yeah, for sure. I know I started down climbing as well, doing the same thing. I mean, there's obviously some routes where are problems where I I just can't get like, it's either overhung or some, some reason I can't down climb it. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm a weak climber, but, um, but yeah, I, I kind of look at every fall as like one more, like my ankle has so many falls left in it, whatever that number is. I don't know what that is. And I just, you know, every fall is one more tick away from that. So I just try to down climb everything. Down climbing is supposed to make you a better climber. I, I was just going to say that. Oh yeah. It's good for endurance. And yeah yeah like when you when you send your route the climb's not over like depending on the difficulty i'll try to down climb the route itself or if it's like a crazy hard route i'll just down climb like the nearest easiest route but i try to down climb all the way to the ground um and that just keeps i think that keeps my endurance up it keeps my strength up so everyone wins i feel like yeah and outside like sometimes the down climbs are for me almost as scary as the climb Mm-hmm. So, it's good to keep that mindset that just because you're up at the top doesn't mean that you're done exactly yeah yeah or as we always joke around well i live up here now so. <laughs> all right well i guess i live up here Send right. said that. throw my stuff up um so what stephanie what do you what does the first hour of your day look like <laughs> she laughs, <laughs> she laughs. Pre, pre-covid or post-covid yes Okay, so pre-COVID, I'd probably wake up around nine and I will make myself a cup of coffee or I'll just grab a rise coffee from my refrigerator, depending on what I'm feeling. This morning I grabbed a rise coffee, which is like my favorite coffee brand. Um, and then uh, I'll make some breakfast, usually something pretty protein filled, like eggs with like a bunch of like vegetables or something like scramble type thing. Um, or if I'm feeling super lazy, just like a thing of Cheerios. Honey Nut Cheerios are so good. Um, and then I'll get into the shower and I'll probably head straight to um, I'll probably head straight to work. Um, that's pretty much, yeah, I mean, and here's something that like you need to know. It's very important. I don't wake up early. It's not something that I like to do. Um, during post COVID times I've been waking up. Well, today I woke up at like 1130. <laughs> so good thing we 
schedule this podcast to uh, be recorded later. Yeah, that's why. That's why I was like, yeah, like anytime in the afternoon. Um, yeah, um, but sometimes I'll wake up. I'll wake up at nine, but usually if I wake up in those earlier times, like before ten, the first hour of my day will be spent with me laying in bed, probably you know doing some unhealthy scrolling through Instagram or Reddit or playing words with friends or, you know, something like that. Um, I don't know. I don't, mornings aren't super great. I love late mornings. So I'll just usually hang out. But if I'm feeling, if I'm feeling super like, Ooh, like, you know, let's get stuff done. I'll wake up, make myself some coffee and um, I'll just try to tidy up or do any kind of chores around my apartment as I can. Cause I love keeping things clean. My apartment has been so clean this whole time. Like, it's been so perfect and it, it feels really good to like wake up and walk through the house and have things just kind of be in order. So. So I guess I have another question. What does the work day for a route setter look like? Well, for me, route setting happens on Mondays. So, oh man, gosh. So for a while uh, we were route setting, um, starting at like 10, 10 in the morning. So I would have to wake up at least by nine and leave by 9.30 to get there by 10. So that was always really hard. That was really difficult, but I love route setting enough that I will wake up early. Um, and then there's been times where we've kind of relaxed that because we actually, uh, semi-recently, we started opening the gym uh, two hours earlier. So yeah, um, but yeah, get there. What time, what time does what time does the gym open? We used to be noon and now we're 10. Okay. Which I don't. So the gym, the gym I used to climb at opened at six every morning. Yeah. I'm not sure how that's possible. <laughs> Someone like, working the front desk. People like me really like that, Stephanie. I'm sure. That I used to go, I used to go on Fridays. <laughs> no, it's, it's nice. You know, everybody, a lot of people, especially like successful people are always talking about super early mornings and yeah. it, I've always been a morning person. But I, I don't think that you have to have those uber early mornings to be successful. So thank you for speaking to the statistics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I know that there's people that would appreciate it. But um, my boss and I, Brian, we're not we're not early morning people. So 10 a.m. is like I think kind of the end of or the the beginning of the comfort zone for us. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd get there at around 10 a.m. and um, figure out which wall we're setting and we'd walk up to the wall. We get all of our equipment out. And, um, first thing we do is we strip the wall. So we're, we do our little stripping sesh, which we always joke about, like you know, we were stripping. Um, but yeah, we take all the holds and all the volumes off the wall that can take anywhere from like 40 to an hour and 20 minutes, depending on what happens. If it's a smaller wall, it should be pretty chill, but usually what ends up lengthening the process is if we have any spinners. So if you cross thread a bolt into a T-nut, you either have to put vice grips on one end behind the wall and have someone crank it out um, in the front of the wall, or you have to cut it off with a sawzall. Um, so yeah, that can take a while. Sometimes we'll have zero spinners and it'll just be the most incredible experience. It'll be really quick. We'll be done in like 40 minutes. And we'll be so happy, get to setting. But 
Um, sometimes we'll have like five spinners and then it's just really exhausting because I'm, I'm sitting there at the front of the wall cranking super hard and I'm like sweating on my hairline and it's just crazy. But after we get all the spinners out and we strip everything, um, <laughs> we go in the back and we choose our holds. So like I said, I always start with the hardest routes. Um, so if I want to set something that's like V8, V6 to V8 or V9, V10, um, depending on the angle of the wall, I'll choose the holds that I think are going to be the most appropriate for that uh, particular grade. And I'll set that. Um, usually after I set the hardest route, cause there's usually two of us uh, setting. So we'll both be setting a really hard route. Um, the next route that we both move on to is probably more like V5, V6, V7. Um, and I'll choose, you know, some probably better feeling holds for that. And then after that, we'll move on to V4, V5. And then after that, V2, V3. And then once we feel like we have a good amount of, you know, moderate to hard routes, we'll just pepper in probably two or three V0, V1s. And then we vacuum and we wheel all of our stuff out. Um, we don't really forerun all that much. Um, if we do forerun, it's usually us like just putting on our shoes and testing to see if a move works. Um, after that, we'll open the wall to people and I'll kind of hang out for a bit and I'll watch people climb. Um, and I'll be like, hey, try this one, try this one, and I'll see how they climb it. Um, if anything spins or anything, I just quickly zip in a set screw. Um, if someone's able to uh, break the beta on a route and I'm just like, absolutely not, like I will not be having this, I'll, I'll tweak it, I'll change out a hold or something. Um, and then, um, uh, usually by Wednesday, the routes as they are, like, that's how they stay. I won't really tweak anything after a Wednesday. Um, yeah, that's pretty much, that's pretty much how a setting goes. It's a pretty quick process. Um, I know some gyms will take several hours of stripping and then setting and then, uh, forerunning with all different people doing all di the different steps, but it's just two of us and we spend about five hours doing the whole process. Um, our walls aren't super huge we have nine walls and as we set um we actually set with tape just so uh, we can have a higher density of climbs um with multiple routes of the same color on one wall um so yeah it's pretty chill we we make do with what we got <laughs> it sounds like you do it with a lot of intention i'm really impressed that you would step back and actually look at um you know, the climbers and, and watch them as they go. I don't, I don't think I've, I've seen many route setters do that. Uh, I think that's really impressive. Well, yeah, it's really neat. I know at Austin Boulder, Austin Bouldering Project, as soon as they open up the area. The, Maybe the I didn't know they were route setters. Yeah. Incognito. <laughs> Incognito. Well, I'm, I'm always looking at the ropes <laughs> and socializing. So I, I probably should shouldn't speak on it oh <laughs> uh, what well, oh i wasn't talking, at the wrong I was gym talking about it. looking at the ropes at austin bouldering <laughs> project <laughs> i know I, I i'm teasing um so would you have it would you have any suggestions for people oh, who gosh, have built home yeah. walls that uh, have yes, to please now help, become route help setters? please man well if if you can hire a route setter in your area that is potentially out of work right now. I would highly suggest that. Um, during my setting session with my friend Austin at his uh, little home wall that he has in his yard, um, 
I was thoroughly explaining everything that I was doing just so, um, cause my, my intention was to give him some routes, but I also wanted to leave him with enough information and guidance so that he could set some of his own routes. So I kind of just walked him through some fundamentals, but, um, I think it's uh, really important to ensure that you have, um, all the right equipment. First of all, it's important to have screws, um, holds can spin and in order to make them not spin, like you want to have a set screw. Like there's times where depending on the shape of the hold, like if you have a hold that's really long like this, um, if you don't have a screw in it, if you're pulling on the outside edge of it, it's it'll probably spin no matter how um, how tight you zip it down. Um, and it's just it's just best practice to have a set screw. Um, you don't want to be climbing something that you think is really sick and going for a super hard move only to have your body just ripped off the wall because a hold spins. That really sucks. Um, I think that depending on the angle of your wall, hold choice is really important. So if you're like, if you're climbing only as hard as like V4, um, and your wall is really steep, you want to choose a lot of really good positive holds. Um, cause yeah, yeah. Cause if you, if your wall is like 60 degrees overhanging and you only have crimps, uh, yeah, it's it's possible that um, not only are you going to hurt yourself pretty quickly um, trying to climb through some of that stuff, but um, you might also not make any progress with your climbing, especially since a lot of people who are building home walls probably haven't climbed in a while. They're excited to get to climbing. If you only have crimps, you're probably not going to be able to make very many moves off of it, um, off of those holds. And in, in trying that, you'll end up hurting yourself in the process. Um, so I would say... Uh, the steeper your wall, get the most in-cut jugs that you can so that you can slowly build your strength back up. Because you don't, you don't want to injure yourself um, during a time which is hopefully the end of this crazy quarantine and then go back and like, have the ability to go back out and climb and then not be able to because you're injured. Um, another thing I would really suggest is that if you have the money, get some volumes. Because if your wall is really overhanging, having volumes really, um, it gives you way more freedom with, um, holds that are what we, you know, just crappy holds. So if I have a huge volume, um, usually volumes are angled in such a way where you can put a crappy hold and actually feel kind of good. So I would suggest using volumes, um, using the edges of the wall too. Um, that, that'll help. Um, also like, don't be stingy on flooring. Like if you have the money to get some really good like floor or like crash pads, like good padded surfaces, like please do it. Cause like you might not notice, but the padding in some gyms like is adequate, you know, but that stuff costs a lot of money. Um, if you've ever been to a gym that has a bouldering area that has really, really hard padding, like that's not like, you're not going to want to make committing moves. So just set yourself up for success. Um, like as much as you can, like I've seen people using like old mattresses. Like, I think that's chill, you know, like use an old mattress. Um, especially only if the mattress is like actually, you know, cushy, if the mattress is like kind of crappy and will not break your fall then like don't use it, but just try to keep yourself safe at home. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's, um, some good stuff for sure. I had a question, but I forgot. So I'll just be quiet and hope Jeremy figures something out. <laughs> oh, so I was going to ask you, um, 
maybe less of an issue for you because your husband's a climber, but what do you do or how do you, and how do you feel when, uh, your climbing you know, partner bails on you? I don't really you? have that happen all that often. Um, I, uh, the climb Tacoma community is just filled with so many great people. So I usually, I pretty much always have somebody to climb with. Um, everyone there is super like tight knit and like always really psyched to climb. Like climbing is a huge priority for those people. So I've never really had that happen. Um, are you talking about inside or outside? Yeah. Usually when I go out, I'm with a crew of people outside. So that's never really happened to me before. Thank God. Yeah. Uh I mean, every once in a while, like my friends, like we'll be going out like every weekend. And I mean, that's sad. I probably just will climb inside at that point. Like, like depending, because I mean, you never want to go outside climbing solo. Like I've heard of people going out climbing solo, and um, I feel like that's only okay if you can find people to climb with. Because um, usually, people are pretty chill. If you're out with like a group of people, and you know, at least if I'm out with a group of people, and I see a dude who's like kind of alone, just kind of climbing, and he'll probably come up to us and be like, "Hey, like." Would it be cool if I like hopped on this route and like used your pads? Like, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Totally. And like, Oh, we're also heading to this area. Like you want to come with us? Like it's, it's just really important for me. Um, just safety. Cause depending on where you're at and depending on how remote the boulders are, like things can get really dangerous if you don't have somebody there to at least like be able to call for help if something bad happens. Yeah, for sure. I have some friends that boulder solo and I'm like, no, I've already had a, a traumatic head injury. I don't need another one. And I've already broken an ankle. So <laughs> two things that could easily happen yeah, while bouldering. Heard that. Have you ever, Stephanie, witnessed any kind of horrific accident as that somebody's had in the gym? I witnessed an ankle, a compound ankle fracture, bone out of the skin. It was pretty horrific, shut down the gym for a little bit, but we handled it really well. Um, have you experienced that? Not firsthand, no. Um, the only things that I've seen are like twisted ankles. Um, there was a, a young girl competitor at our last comp who just got super lightheaded and like was kind of on the verge of passing out for a really long time. So I kind of, we, we drug her into the office where we have this nice little couch and I just, later on the couch and I was like, just stay there, like drink some water, blah, blah, blah. Um, nothing too horrific. Um, I've heard of, uh, really bad, um, things that have happened in gyms in my area. Like some guy who had climbed before and used to be a member at this particular gym, put on a rental harness backwards and he clipped himself into the auto belay, um, but not on anything on the harness that is like load bearing. It's just on like an elastic, you know, one of the things that holds the leg loops to the waist loop and he climbed to the top of a 45 foot wall and then let go and let, tried to let the audible do its thing. But, um, that thing just ripped off and broke and he fell. And, um, as far as I know, he's paralyzed. Oh, my. Oh man. Yeah, you know, it's interesting in the beginning, Stephanie, I've never heard anybody say that they've never heard of anyone dying on a boulder problem in regards to bouldering versus rope climbing. And, and that's a really interesting point that you make and um, kind of makes it pretty real. In, yeah, yeah it's perspective, yeah. for sure. 
Um, I know a lot of people that have shattered ankles on boulders, but. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I had a friend who, uh, she broke both of her anchors, ankles on a boulder and she was in a wheelchair for six weeks. Um, that was just bad fall, you know, from like a high boulder, but actually my, my boss, Brian, he told me that he heard of someone dying on a boulder one time, but that's because, um, I guess it was the perfect day at the perfect time. The boulder just rolled over on him. Oh man. And that's always a possibility with boulders, right? I literally was going to say the only time I would think bouldering almost killed anyone was the 127 hours. Um, uh, the, the gentleman who lost his arm, that's only, you know, and it wasn't bouldering. He was, you know, climbing down the boulder slipped and pinned him. Like that's literally the only, the only time I've heard that. So. That's one of my, one of my biggest concerns and maybe you guys have had this happen, but one of my biggest concerns is the more friends I have in climbing. I feel like every friend I had, I'm like, just adds to the number of people who may possibly die while climbing, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Bad reality. But I mean, if you think about being a human on this earth every day, no, I know that, that we but live it's like, just another day closer to death. Like it's, no, it's true. <laughs> it's one guarantee in life is that we're all going to die. Um, and you're right. Jeremy, the, the more people, and that's part of why I wanted to know Stephanie, you know, the more people that take up your sport, there there is more risk. And in regards to the education, I remembered my question. Um, you're an amazing educator. Just in this short period of time, the way that you explained uh, some things to keep in mind when you're setting at a home gym, you are very explicit. You say things in layman's terms. The way that you speak is very articulate. Have you always had this desire to serve others, to educate, to coach, or is this something that you found with rock climbing? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I ever did this before climbing. Um, when I first realized that like, Hey, I could probably do this. It was about six months after I started climbing. Um, I needed an elective. So I took an intro to climbing course just because I, I was like, Hey, if I can get one credit for college, just climbing for an hour or so, like I'm going to do it. And so I actually ended up giving a lot of beta and a lot of pointers to people in that class. And someone was like, you should teach this. Like this would, you would be so good at it. And I was like, huh, I never really thought of that before. Um, so, uh, I think a couple months later I signed up for a instructor course on, um, just like getting an instructor like license to be like a, you know, like a professional climbing instructor. And that, that was a, a three day course. And so I did that um, immediately after graduating college. I stayed behind and just did that course. And um, I got my professional climbing instructor association license from the professional climbing instructor association. And um, that was really great to be able to put on my resume for when I got my first climbing job at um, a YMCA in the area. Um, and so that actually helped give me like the respect um, from those people like, hey, like you're going to be one of our lead instructors. And then I eventually started overseeing that entire climbing wall. I wrote um, like the lesson plans for all of the different levels and, and whatnot. And um, obviously I'm a coach now and I do private lessons and stuff. So um, it definitely just kind of came naturally. Um, and when I, when I climb, um, or when I was climbing and, and learning, um, I was really just trying to break down all of the little things that I was learning, like 
this person did this thing. How did he do that thing? What, did he, what is he doing with his foot that made this thing, you know, possible? So um, it was just really easy for me to articulate that to other people and like kind of what I like to call unlock like new skills for people. Cause like a lot of people don't realize it, but just like the simple technique of flagging can like make a route so much easier. And a lot of people, that's not really intuitive for a lot of people. So once you show people like, Hey, this is what flagging is like, do this move without flagging. Okay. Now do this move with flagging. Like see how much less effort you use to do that. And they're just like, it's like unlocking a key in their, in their brain. So I, that's just my job is to give the people the information so that they can go, you know, climb and do what they need to do and not have to rely on me, you know? So. Well, and what does that do for you personally when you see that person unlock it and you see like power within them that they didn't know they have? Like, what does that give you in return? 100% satisfaction. Um, I, I see it. I see it all the time. Um, there's a lot of people that will come into our gym um, who are new climbers. Um, sometimes I help out with the, with the non-competitive team kids classes and um, seeing those kids just like, cause they're, they're crazy strong, but they just don't know how to use their body in like the most efficient ways. So when I just give them like the tiniest little technique tweak and then they, they send their project right then and there and they're just so excited. And then they go on like to very quickly start improving and then it's just mind blowing. Like I have this kid on my climbing team named Jared and he started climbing in um, July of 2019. And by like January of 2020, he was already climbing like V6. And he is, he's 11. And like, yeah, he's really naturally strong, but he also has some That's of the best cool. heel hooking and toe hooking technique I've ever seen in a young person. So as, as you're talking about, home wall setting just made me yeah. realize that i don't think i've ever seen like a youtube video on like home wall setting it might be something if you have the opportunity to make one it might be something interesting to do hmm. yeah i've never really ventured into the whole youtube thing i feel like instagram is a lot but i mean yeah i could i, mean, I could probably make some kind of again. a video first i would need to use someone's home wall i mean maybe yeah maybe you can make like a little story about getting a phone call your friend tells you about the wall you're gonna work <laughs> with like do a little like mini doc or something oh my gosh oh that would be cool i need make, i need to call on some of my friends who are videographers yes you do that would be so fun um all right so emily do you have any <laughs> last questions um honestly i I've just really enjoyed talking to you, Stephanie. I feel like I could talk to you for a very long time. I really hope that I get to actually like meet you uh, sometime, especially I run a group called the Texas Lady Crushers and having somebody like you as uh, a, you know, somebody that we would pay to come and teach technical skills, like you're exactly what I'm looking for. And my whole plan for the 2020 Texas Lady Crushers got completely thrown to shit. Uh, we had our first retreat at Waco Tanks, and it was amazing. And I cooked for a living, or I did. Everything's just gone crazy, right? Um, yeah. But we had so much momentum, and then it just got stripped away. But that, that's for another day. Um, 
I'm always open to, to travel or to, to teach or to, you know, whatever, especially if I'm going to go somewhere I've never been before. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm so open to any of that. So just when things calm down, you just let me know and I'll put together like whatever needs to happen. I would love to go to Texas. That'd be so cool. No, for sure. Texas is definitely here for you. Uh, Jeremy can take care of the bouldering tour. Yeah. And and I can take you at the ropes. And um, yeah, I guess what, what we like to do at the end of the podcast is not a guess. It's a fact is we like to give a shout out to something that we are promoting or somebody that we want to share with everybody. Uh, do you have any, any shout outs besides helping your friends who are out of work that need, you know, route setting uh, or who, who would like to set routes that are currently? Well, there's something that's really important to me. Um, it's not necessarily like a person or a brand, but um, it's really important that I share that um, as people are um, starting to go out to climb during this COVID thing um, and uh, places start opening back up again, it's very likely, that actually, I know for sure that if the crags start to get overcrowded, um, it's probably going to get all shut down again, at least uh for sure for us here in Washington. I don't know um, what things in Texas um, look like, but um, I just I just don't want rock climbers to be the reason for um, anyone getting sick or any hospitals being like over overtaken with, you know, anything like that. I don't want climbers to be the reason that resources in small towns are being depleted. Um, so as tough as it is and, and as, as hard it's been for like us not being able to go out and just having to stay home. Like as things open up, um, I would say just don't rush out there. Uh, just try to think about what's best for the climbing community and our crags and our lands as a whole. And um, like, don't rush it. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Just, just realize that this is all so much bigger than just our individual desire to go out and climb. You know, it's, it's not like those lands won't be there. It's not like, you know, this is going to last forever because it's not, um, this will all be in the past at some point. And, um, as hard as it is now, um, it doesn't seem like there's an end to it, but we just got to get through it and yeah, just be positive. For sure. Jeremy, do you have any last questions or? I don't have any, any more questions, but, um, out my shout outs, I was going to say, um, check out Maggie young on Instagram. She has a, um, one of her, story what do you call those highlights uh she has an easy diy volume if you want to build volumes for your home wall and you have some Ooh. um you know a saw and some uh, plywood she has a no math trick for making volumes it's pretty cool and i'll put her link in the show notes and then i was also going to say um there's a company called quarantine climbing and they sent me um a volume and 10 wooden holds um i saw that me too <laughs> They are sick and they're only selling them for uh, six. I think they're on sale right now for $65. Otherwise they're $75, which for 10 holds and a volume is super cheap. So that's that's what I have for sure. Right on. Well, uh, shout out is going to be for myself. I am, <laughs> I, I can't even say that I'm a, I'm a chef anymore for a job, but I am very chefy still. I am going to be hosting <laughs> a whole 30 program starting on June 1st 
it is not a diet. It's just going to be a 30 day commitment to uh, a, a healthier version of eating, but also a healthier version of living. So I'm going to be discussing meditation techniques, breathing techniques. There's going to be a podcast that you're going to need to follow. Um, I'm going to do live videos as well as Q and A's. And this is the first time that I am plugging it. I haven't even shared with the public that I'm going to be doing this. But the reason why I chose the date of June 1st is because I feel that when you commit to anything, uh, having a start date ahead of time is good so that you can work out mentally, emotionally, and generally, uh, you know, what your level of commitment is about to look like and how your life is going to change for, you know, X amount of time. So haven't named it yet, but that's going to be coming on June 1st. And you can find it on my personal social media, Cook Climb Yoga or the Texas Lady Crushers. Ooh. Yes. And um, yeah, thank you, Stephanie, so much for being with us today. Yeah, yeah thank you no for joining problem. us. I actually have one thing that I do want to plug. I forgot. Um, my friend Michaela, she makes these really awesome, like, mountain pacific northwest inspired like wood art things um like i have these cute little mountain earrings she's made like these crazy wooden like mountain things out of like reclaimed wood with like lights behind the mountains like her instagram is underscore scratching the surface and like she makes like earrings and like wall art and keychains and just like some of the craziest things like i've posted it on my stories um, the last thing she made was this really cool, like mountain shaped gear holding rack. So it just looks like a bunch of really cute mountains with hooks on it. And like you hang your climbing gear on it and she has an Etsy shop. So just check that out, I guess. I don't know, but that's so cool that you're a chef. Oh my gosh. Um, I love food so much. Hopefully this so is the beginning of a, a nice, uh, distant relationship, whether I'm yeah. Or not, I feel like you and I could do some pretty stellar stuff. We love you, Jeremy, but uh, <laughs> just just not part of the, the lady vibe going on. Real strong. It's your fault, man. You brought her on. <laughs> yeah. It happens. Right on, everyone. Thanks for tuning right. in.